0: This is Catalog and Cocktails. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Here's your hosts, Juan Cicada and Tim Gasper.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Catalog and Cocktails. It's Wednesday, and this is your weekly live hangout an honest, no BS, non salesy conversation about enterprise data management with a tasty beverage in hand. I'm Tim Gasper, longtime data nerd and product guy at Data.World, joined by Juan.
2: Hey, Tim, I'm Juan Cicada, principal scientist at Data.World. And always, it's Wednesday, middle of the week, uh, end of the day, time to take a break. And really excited to chat data. Uh, quick reminder for everybody who's listening please, please, please thank you so much for all the rates and reviews that we've gotten. And don't forget to continue rating and review us on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and all that. Uh, and let's kick this off because we have a fantastic guest today. Our guest is Ashley Kramer, who has this amazing history, right? She goes all all the way from Oracle, being part of the Kindle team at Amazon, part of Tableau, Altrex, and is now the Chief Marketing and Chief Product Officer at Sisense. Ashley, how are you doing?
0: Doing great. Thanks for having me today. Thank you.
2: Well, we're we're super excited to go start talking about future BI analytics and stuff. But before we get into the deep topics, uh, what are we drinking today? What are we toasting for? Ashley, you take a- so
0: so I am what you would call boring. <laughs> I have a vodka soda with, of course, a squeeze of lime. And today what I am toasting for is the world opening back up because I never realized how much of a people person I was until a pandemic hit. And so I'm toasting to those lifts coming up and travel ahead and meeting people face to face again.
2: I'm, I'm so with you on that. Uh, I, I, I'm drinking, I, 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 this is, uh, I looked it up, it's called a suffering bastard. It's a burp. Bir- <laughs> bourbon gin, lime juice bitters topped off with some ginger beer and mint i i, I saw some gin and, and bourbon in my in my in my kitchen i'm like i gotta do something with it and actually i'm excited i was on a plane this weekend on last friday i finally met somebody who i have never met before who was actually our past guest last week which is joe hilger we had dinner it's like i it was fantastic to meet and talk to somebody and just talk for like six hours about stuff and and that's stuff you can never you can't reproduce on zoom and i look forward to having all these live conversations again tim how about you uh
1: i love the idea of, of, of choosing to to things opening up again uh, i am drinking a rose old-fashioned with old forester 1910 um, and so very tasty love it um and also i'm choosing to uh just recently got promoted to vp at data.world which i'm super excited about and uh it's awesome working with you juan and doing this show and having great guests like ashley here um it's really a pleasure
2: hey congratulations congratulations tim love that thank you so we got our we got our fun warm-up question so ashley tim what are what one thing would you want to know about your own future who wants to take that one
1: that's scary
0: (laughs) so (laughs) i can start um can i do two you can can do whatever thank you so so in 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 my life, um, I've lived in seven different states across four time zones and in 25 different homes and apartments. So I clearly move around a lot, mostly for jobs. And so I would like to know um, when I'm gonna finally find where I'm gonna live. I live in Tahoe right now, is this my final destination? Do I move again? And it's it's for a reason um, I want my parents to move close to me and they refuse to. They're in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania where I grew up because they're like, you move like every year or two. And so that's what, that one's more for my mom. And then the, the second one I, I'd like to know, I recently started investing in, you know, small investments in technology and startups, angel investing. So I want to cheat and I want to know, am I a good investor? Cause as you guys know, you likely don't know for like five to 10 years, because if the answer is no, I'm going to stop spending money like right now. So those are my two. So one selfish one for my mama. <laughs>
2: That, that's actually a really good one. I don't think about that, uh, the, the, how, if I'm going to be a good investor or not. How about you, Tim? Uh,
1: you know, that's a good one about the investment. Uh, you know, similar to that, uh, I want to know how much should I be investing in crypto? That is that is a big question <laughs> in my mind.
0: <laughs> that, is it is it, is it actually, just a
1: bet or am I really missing out on the opportunity of a lifetime here? <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I want to know how many other pandemics are coming up because I really want to <sighs> mentally prepare myself, you know.
2: Yeah, you know what?
0: ignorance is bliss. I don't right? want to know
1: that. So
2: that's know. actually going to be my answer. I don't want to know. I'm just happy being the way it is. So I don't want to know anything about my future. Uh, <laughs> plus go, you, Juan. <laughs> All right. Well, let's kick this off and let's just start with our uh, our topic here. I um, will love to kick it off with honest, no BS. Ashley, we the world has been talking about BI, has been talking about analytics, and now it's talking about AI, right? So. Honest to no BS. How much are these worlds colliding? Are people doing AI, but it's just a much fancier dashboard and they're overselling it? Or is there actually something new and with substance in here?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that the future of AI and BI colliding, which by the way, BI um, back in my Tableau days was starting to be, people are like, don't call it BI, it's analytics. And then I left and went to Alteryx and I came back to the space and everybody's like, it is BI again. So BI is reinvigorated. It came back. BI and AI to me colliding actually means AI is used to drive the BI experience, to drive the analytics experience. And so I think there's different schools of thought where people say, no, there's tools to build AI, to build BI. I actually believe when they collide, it's driving the experience. So we're not just doing descriptive analytics anymore and saying, oh, here's my beautiful dashboard. This is, this is what's happening right now that AI is driving that experience to say, hey, know that this is going to happen in the future. This is what you should do about it, predictive, prescriptive analytics. And you can't really get there until the two actually do truly collide.
2: So so the honest no BS here is BI or or AI is gonna be more about tell me more about the things of the future, being predictive about it. And, and just traditional BI is tell me things about the past. Is that yeah, and, and
0: you know we're and we're probably not gonna call it BI again in like three years. So since it's no BS, like. It's gonna, it's gonna probably change again. It's be, be, AI maybe or something. But we, we constantly change the language. And AI, is, as you all know, a little bit of a, a little bit of a fluffy term too. There's a lot that goes into it. But yeah, that's that's where it's it's about insights to action instead of
2: just the the business intelligence experience.
1: So then, that makes sense.
2: How much of how much of AI right now uh, from the analytics perspective, from being kind of prescriptive, is is this r- real versus too much fantasy? Like, because uh, we start seeing people doing all this advanced machine learning stuff. Like how much is it actually applicable right now to the, to the enterprise versus that's uh, that's just computer vision things, right? That's not being applied yeah. to for, for my business day to day.
0: I think it's, I think it's still a, a dream.
2: It's a little bit of a
0: dream. Uh, we, we see people solving use cases with it, but I think, it's it's kind of the North Star that that needs that people need to go after. But I don't think, no, I don't I don't think we've quite delivered anybody on the dream yet. And I don't think customers are actually really strongly impacted, which makes it an opportunity, by the way, for for everybody to up level.
1: Do you think that certain use cases are gonna? shift from dream to reality first in front of other use cases when it comes to things like BI transitioning to AI? Like what use cases are you the most excited about there?
0: To me, number one is the customer 360 and that can be applicable to, you know, CRMs and sales teams that can be applicable to support teams. But like the, the minute for years in different companies, I've heard of these customer 360s and it's still just, you know, I'm an airline company and, you know, Tim is one of my high highest rated customers, and so treat him nice, right? No, 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 no. Let's figure out more. Remove the creep factor right away. Like we can't know too much about you because that would that we have we have a creep factor a little bit too in in BI. <laughs> um, but I think it's like really driving like smarter campaigns to you without without a human involved. And so I think when it comes to treating customers better is the is the first use case that I can see. This actually I, I'm starting to see. Glimpses of it, and of course, then there's, you know, more wild ones down the road that will come to light.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I really like sort of the promise of of sort of customer 360, or really anything 360, and and using BI as a way to get you more of the the full picture. There, I guess, where where do you see that you know AI plays the most? Um, plays the most value there. Is it around the integration side of it? Is it around more of like the bringing the intelligence to you? Like kind of, you mentioned this use case of like a customer service agent or something who who wants to provide better customer service to a customer. Is it sort of the insightful action or prescription that comes to that person in their moment of need?
0: I think it's both. I mean, yeah, the first, first it's driving the experience, but if you're, again, let's say we have a deep AI dashboard about our frequent flyer program you're still having to go look at that dashboard and it's you're still having to like look you up, right? And be like, I wonder when he's flying again, I wonder what I should care about versus pushing the experience to those customer service reps, to the people, the the flight attendants on the airplane that have their device. And we're seeing a level of that, I'm sure already, but how smart is it and how intelligent, how much AI are we actually using versus just like, he's here right now, he's probably gonna order steak. Right. And knowing before you get on, make sure you have enough stakes. Like there's, there's an element to um, to how we can just make people smarter without causing them to have to change their workflow and change what they're doing.
2: Right. We've, we've chatted before about this. And I think something we, we did was AI as a guidance. I think that was something that you, that we described It's like, you want a, you want to have these tools, these systems, these AI systems to help guide you to what, what to do in, instead of just uh, kind of, what do you say? It's, it's not just about explain the past. It's like, what else are the new experiences you want to go learn? And, and tell me, don't automate everything for me. Like, give me as a human some control, but I also want to know where I should head. It's not like, because this is the thing that I see about AI all the time is that, hey, hands off, the AI should do everything. I'm like, no, humans need to be involved. So it's about helping us guide to figure out where we should go. And I think this is the balance that we see from just Data management, like, how do we go? How do we integrate all this data? Let the AI go integrate all this data automatically. Like, no, you need humans there to understand it. But also once I got all this data, I want to, do, am I going to decide, am I going to accept a decision of, this, of an AI system? You should go do this. Like, well, no, we should be empowering somebody else to be actually take those kind of inputs and then make a final decision. I, so I personally am on the, on the boat that you want to have AI to be able to support and guide humans in here but is that truly scalable or do we really need to go into a world where humans are gonna be completely out of the loop for these types of like customer 360 that we can just trust the AI system to go do everything and, and it's gonna work better than any human. Where do you, how do you see that?
0: I know there's, there's two different schools of thought here. I am more on the, it will help us make more intelligent decisions. It will augment um, the process. It will reduce the mundane, mundane but the human intuition will always have to be layered in. And so I'll go away from the customer 360 example and talk about smart cars. You know, a smart car will tell you, hey, you're getting close to the center line and beep, and it knows when there's an accident, five cars ahead or about to be, and it helps you drive better. But the the day you see me sitting in the back of that car with no human's hands on the wheel, because they it makes wrong decisions, right? It, the sensors screw up. And so it's it's making people better drivers. And it's helping in a lot of cases reduce accidents and things, but um, I don't think we're anywhere near removing the human intuition. And you can apply that in the same in the customer's three hundred and sixty and all kinds of other scenarios.
1: That's interesting. I I see a lot of agreement here in the chat with your comment there about sort of augmented intelligence and and keeping the human in the loop, giving them better guidance. Um, so I think there's a, there's a lot of agreement there, you know when you think about augmented intelligence as a, as a sort of an angle on ai you know and, and thinking about the folks that are using bi you know who's going to who's going to stand to benefit the most from ai getting more into the bi realm is it is it the is it the technical analyst is it more of sort of the 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 citizen data consumer type person you know who who do you see as benefiting the most as as the automation gets better as the insights get better
0: I have a strong, strong viewpoint on this because if you look at any of the research, you know, people spend millions of dollars, companies spend millions of dollars in years of investment. And you see these stats, you know, less than 30% of all analytics produced are are actually being adopted. And so my response to this is, I think we've nailed the experience for analysts, for data engineers, and we've given them the tools and they can customize the tools, you know, that's why there's so many out there. It's the, it's the business user, it's the end users. It's the people that need to be using data but are too intimidated to go look at a dashboard. And so that's where just so people that don't have analyst in their title and people that don't consider themselves, you know, quote unquote, data workers are the ones that can really um, leverage or, or take, I guess, take advantage of AI under the hood because it's, you know, insights, hints, context-guided experiences right. are coming to them.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I feel like there's a, a ton of research, as you're noting, right, that's been coming out that's like, you know, more than ever, people are investing huge amounts of money in their data and analytics infrastructure, more than at any other time in history, And yet, actually, people perceive their data-driven decision-making and their data literacy to be declining. Like, it's literally the percentage is going down instead of up, even though the investment's going way up. Um, And it feels like that points exactly to the statement that you're making, that like, yeah, sure, the analysts have access to data. And, you know, maybe they're getting even more data than they ever have before, right? Big data, data integration, all that good stuff, data lakes but is it really truly filtering out to the people that are that are making the decisions in a way that they can action on?
0: Yeah, and I think we've, we've tried to solve it differently. There's data literacy programs now, great, and that's good, but like, mm. you have to assume people have the time to go take that. So think about the developer shortage in the world. There's not enough developers to do things like build apps. So what did we see emerge? Low-code app development, right? So opening up to more people because the world realized People aren't going to go back and learn how to be a developer just because there's a shortage. We need to empower more people. And so it's, it's sort of applicable to that same experience. And don't assume business users are going to say, all right, I'll drop everything and I am going to go become data literate. In some cases, great.
2: So let me go push back a little bit on this because I'm on a camp of the low code. I think that's a lot of BS. Right, we're seeing a lot of this low code. I think uh, uh, we want that to be great, and I think it yep. can be great for some stuff. But in reality, if you're doing if you're doing low code type of applications like you are, you're probably designing the, the end result is going to be pretty shitty. Honestly, <laughs> my perspective about what it can happen because you're you're losing a lot of the the the, the important logic business is going to be messed out and stuff that you it's not even I can't even find it right. So you would you would one can argue that the stronger people, the people who will win, right? Those are the ones who are going to invest in it. They do see this. So they are going to find time to go do that. So I would say if you're a business user, you're saying, well, I don't have time for this. I just want the stuff that I can, Hey, Hey Siri, or Hey Alexa, tell me this thing versus somebody who's going to get a little bit more more, more, going to roll up their sleeves. They're going to have more potential to to win and go do more things faster. They're going to be truly more self-service on that stuff. So I would say that, yeah, okay, yes, we want to have an automatic, an AI to help me out because I don't have time to do, be data literate and all that stuff. But the folks who do invest in that stuff, I think they're the they're going to be the winners. So I that's
0: I mean that that's great. From like I you know I I agree and I'm not an analyst at heart and I became data literate and then my career took off because now I lead those types of products. But that you're, you're putting, you're putting a lot of faith in that people want that, right? Like people fundamentally want to wake up and be like, I want to be the best analyst out there. Or, you know, I, I want to go learn how to develop and don't, don't discount the fact that just because you're using low code doesn't mean that's the final. There's something called rapid prototyping where, okay, developer doesn't want to sit with me for hours while I try to explain the experience. I'm going to use this as you call it a shitty low code experience. And then I'm going to go give it to them and they can operationalize it. Right. And so you're starting to bridge that gap. You're starting to remove barriers.
2: I agree. I agree with that. But, but there's also a big hope that, oh, let me go pass this on to somebody else that they can operationalize. Like that's a big Hope and gap there because otherwise, we start seeing the well, people do this all the time in Excel, right? And they're like, I can do Excel, and then they do their things, and we just have silos and silos of Excel. So, I think, I, I think part of it is that we really need to. And it, my, my, my position is that we really need to have this culture of being not just data driven and in, but from the top up, right? Executive level, executives need to show the examples of drilling into data. I think. If I put two companies side by side, you have the CEOs going in and looking into the data themselves and asking the hard questions. And also other ones that don't as an, if, as a potential employee, I want to go work at the company where the CEO is actually getting into the data themselves. I mean, obviously not drilling too much into it, but. I was going to say, hard.
0: um, I have a CEO currently, and maybe I'll send this to him and Nobody is more analytical, and nobody digs into the data more. So be careful what you wish for. Well, and that's awesome, <laughs> Amir. I love you, but be careful what you wish for.
1: As long as their interpretations are correct, What's that, really the the that's the
0: other thing. They, they see like, that, that one chart
1: that they get so excited about, and you're like, "Wait, wait, 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 wait. no, that chart <laughs> doesn't say what you think it does." You know?
0: That's exactly right. There's like one thesis and one theory, and you're like, "But that's look at it from this angle and then you get into a seven hour discussion on one piece of data and so yeah. and so um yeah no I, I think i'm so i'm so passionate about the rapid prototyping because i also called bs on it and at my former job uh, prior to this company that was one of the biggest use cases and that that was that was sort of viral particularly through enterprises and so just because i've seen it come to life not necessarily in bi specifically um, I, I have seen it be pretty effective.
1: Interesting. I, I feel like, uh, Juan, we got to have a couple episodes coming up on like exploring the world of low code because, uh, you know, I, I know we've got some strong opinions on that and, uh, you know, and, and in my mind, it feels like a, kind of just like a modality, right? Like some people prefer the low-code environment. And, you know, there was a comment in the chat here about like, isn't a data catalog a low-code environment? I think there are ways to use many different data tools that are low-code oriented, right? And some, and some businesses have been built on that modality. But then they have APIs, and you could do the code approach if you want to. Or they've got the wizard, and it's the zero-code approach, right? Um, so, yeah, go ahead, Juan.
2: well, we got so I got so much notes here. Want to go things I want to go touch on. One of them (laughs) is okay. So I wanted let's get a little bit into the future of where this is going. And 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 something I'm observing is that these kind of traditional BI tools, right? They've they've uh, Started to incorporate so many features. Like before, traditionally, they're like, here's a dashboard, right? You connect to a data source, a dash- go, go do your fancy dashboard. But now they're doing data prepping, they have catalogs, right? They do the analytics, they're doing natural language. I mean, they even have in memory databases and stuff like that. No, SciSense does that. Uh, Tableau has that. I'm like, what's coming tomorrow, right? Is, are, is, is, is the BI tool, like a Tableau, like a SciSense, whatever, are they becoming like the data hub of everything? Is, are they going to be the silver bullet or are these spreading themselves too thin? And then you're not going to have the best data prep to the best catalog and so forth. Like um, am where, where is this heading?
0: I believe because the, the rapid pace of the data being collected in the world is growing so fast. I don't believe in the full stack end to end one solution, one tableau, one size sense can do it all. I believe in more of the open and extensible platform with sure you can start with us for data prep, and you'll definitely use us for the visualization layer, blah, blah, blah. But you need to not lock, you know, customers in. And if they start to deal with other data sources and bigger use cases, we need to be able to welcome in the, the people, the companies that actually focus on data prep only, focus on ETL, whatever it is only. So I don't, I have never at any of my companies believed in like, let's do an end-to-end full stack but I want the capabilities. We don't have to, we can be, we can be not best in class in some of them and we have to be transparent about that. And then you can focus on what are like Tableau clearly they're the most beautiful. If you need the most beautiful and that's what your CEO cares about, you pick Tableau. Um, from the size sense perspective, I believe you shouldn't know you're using analytics. I believe you should literally like, we should be the analytical engine and you should have no idea if you want. I mean, if you want to, fine that you're actually using scary, intimidating data. And so it's, you have to pick best in class is my, is my response to that and stay open and extensible to other things.
1: It's an interesting perspective. I, I like that. Um, you uh, know, one it of used the, to be the,
0: pitched differently by the way, but I think we've evolved. Right,
1: interesting, interesting. Um, you know, one of the things that we talk a lot about here is you know don't boil the ocean and make sure that you're taking sort of people process and technology and thinking about it holistically getting the buy in you need all that kind of stuff you know when you think about bi and and augmented intelligence and things like that how do you really recommend getting started what's the right starting point
0: so to me too many people think they're going to bring it in and solve world hunger right they're going to do everything big bang project and i honestly sometimes not necessarily my current company i've seen people probably spend way too much up front um which of course you welcome as (laughs) as part of that company but i would recommend you have to i know it's a sort of fluff term and not boil the ocean pick the specific use case or cases to go after and attach numbers You know, the ROI I want back on this is I want to eliminate next year out of my budget three headcount because what those people would do, we can we can now use this for or I want to get a return on investment of this because I'm now using this solution. And so really tangible numbers and ways to to match to ROI, starting with a use case or two and then expanding from there. That's where I see the most success. And that's where you usually see less churn. When, when you don't see people just going all in and jumping in because their sea levels said it's important. And so they start running. Uh, typically, they don't have a straight data strategy yet either. So they're trying to figure out a data strategy as they're trying to implement analytics and augment it. It's it's generally too much.
2: I love this about, yeah, we always say don't boil the ocean. Yeah, pick a use case. But actually, it's not just pick the use case, it's add. At- attached numbers to it, like real numbers, but, but numbers that are basically what we say, how is this going to make me money? How is this going to save me money? Like literally let's attach those numbers to that. And you make sure that's how you're connecting it directly all the way to the, to the business and in, in, the front line. I think that's really struggle missing. with
1: this, right? Folks really struggle with this on the analytics side, you know, like a, you know, it's, either it's like science experiment or it's like, we need to completely overhaul all our analytics. are stacked top to bottom, right?
2: But it, the numbers-driven. So, numbers it, driven. so how, you, how is that easier said than done? Like, of you, you course. Said- of course, I mean it's
0: you know if people are introducing that's generally I think the the analytics vendors out there that help customers establish this that partner with customers are the most effective. Because of course it's hard if you're introducing something. The easiest one, honestly, I had a big customer, not not at this company, that that gave me that exact use case. He said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna prove to my um, it's one of the big cloud platforms too, so it was a big company. I'm gonna prove to my boss the value and what I'm spending here by eliminating three headcount out of my budget for next year." And so he he knew that that's the easier one, but more on the like, I want the team to be 400% more efficient, or I want That one is, it's a little bit harder. It's a little bit harder, but, but people that have worked in this industry and people that will partner with customers, we've seen it and we can give them examples. It's pretty cut and paste within industries, within healthcare, within travel and hospitality. There are cut and paste use cases. But yes, it's hard. It's easier. It's definitely easier said than done.
2: No, but there, but but in some use, in some industry, you're saying it can be easier. And I think, like thinking about the the the, the head count, that's kind of something that people can actually work on. It's much much more tangible than oh, we're go- we're going to increase your productivity because you spend uh, ten thousand hours for all these people. And if we reduce the yep. ten thousand hours, multiply by their salary, It's like, yeah, that's nice. But I mean,
1: you know, I feel like people get a little scared of the headcount thing because they're like, oh, does that mean that like they're going to fire my people or something like that, right? And I think people have to get out of that mindset. And it's like, no, those people are going to be now unlocked to go work on higher value things, right? Or they're going to use their brains. They're
0: going to use their brains in the way that they should, and not in like cutting and pasting and doing whatever you're, yeah, they're going to be able to actually use their brains in, in better ways. And that is a hard message, right? Even, even back when the cloud was a thing, back when I was at Amazon, you know, IT was like, Whoa, that's my job the cloud is replacing my job. And it was a lot of evangelism to say, no, your job just became a lot cooler. You're not rolling in servers anymore and spending your time plugging in wires. You're like learning how to script and you're learning, you know, it's, it's, um, it's the same, the same thing we saw back then. Hmm.
2: And so an- another thing I wanted to touch on is the type of data. So right now when it comes to analytics and the stuff we're seeing is, Traditionally, like you think about BI, it's well, it's relational database, your tabular data, but now we're seeing so many different types of sources of data, right? Uh, unstructured in text and, and a, lot of, a lot of the topics that we talk here is about graphs and knowledge graphs and stuff. I'm curious from your perspective, what are you, what's next on the types of data that people are doing or, or companies are focusing on for analytics? Are we still just, there's still much, so much to be done on the tabular data that we're still working on? That.
0: I think we're still there. I think, you know, we, I've watched different dreams. Some come to fruition, some not, like there were the Hadoop days. And then we realized, oh, that's, that's gonna be a cold store, but to actually extract it, you're gonna need different layers on it. So I still, I think we're getting closer with like the snowflakes and the data bricks of the world to, to converging theories that are seeing value in each. I think, I think where we are right now, we're gonna see this still solidify for a few years to come. And then I won't take a guess at I won't take a guess at what's next um, because I'll be wrong. <laughs> I don't like to be wrong. I mean, I am quite often, but I don't like to be wrong.
2: <laughs> but and in and what about like personal agents? Like your Alexis and your series of the world, right? Because I, 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 we talked to a lot of executives and folks, and they're like, well, I just want to be able to talk to my phone and talk to this and tell me, hey, how are the sales going today? Right. I mean, we're not there, but it kind of seems that we shouldn't. Why aren't we there? I mean, we, we use Alexa all the time. Like, w- what's missing? I mean, I'm surprised we're not, not every single executive in the world is talking to Alexa to go get their stuff and, and asking them, but why and get the explanations.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I definitely, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not one to talk to things. And I, I don't know. I, I had Alexa's in my house and I, you know, she would like start talking in like the middle of the night. It was like, so, so for me, it's not really for me. I will say though, if you think of like the Amazon shopping experience, like two years ago, when you'd go to return something, it was very clearly a robot coming back to you and very clearly. But if you think about how refined it's gotten now, it's a pleasant experience. I want to talk to their chat bot, you know, with always a very clever human name, way more than I want to get on the phone with somebody now, because it's, but I think it takes a lot of time to refine that experience. And there's a lot of companies out there trying in different industries. And it just, that's, that's the answer is it just takes time. I, I personally, I'd love to hear from you you guys, but personally, I just, I don't really want to talk to Siri or Alexa. I don't know why I just don't. I, <laughs> I'd rather Google I, I, search.
1: Yeah. I, I feel like, I'm I'm so excited about the promise of this technology and and I still have, you know, every once in a while, I get super excited about like voice enabled technology and then also like virtual reality, right? You think about like how these enabling technologies could like revolutionize the world of data, right? Um, but then you know, you you talk to Alexa and you're like, hey, uh, you know you ask her a question, and she's like, she tells you the completely wrong answer but at least there's a little bit of a feedback loop happening now Well, she'll actually ask you <laughs> like, did, was that the answer you were looking for? Right. And uh, I, I, I feel bad, but I've sworn it Alexa a few times. So <laughs> I'm sure she, she gets offended. Database. She
0: gets offended. Like, you know, after a few drinks, maybe, maybe after this, like, you know, me and my friends have asked Alexa some questions and like, she, she gets offended. <laughs> <laughs> she really does. And you shouldn't swear at her. She'll, she'll, be- she'll call you on it,
2: but she will. So do you, so th- do you have these conversations when we, when I talk to folks and they're like, yeah, like we, we need to be talking to Alexa, like they have this vision of what the next generation of analytics should be. And, are, and do they just have it wrong? And we just, or, I mean, maybe I they're going too they much. It, into it's, but.
0: it's like the flash, right? So like, great. That's the better story to say. Like, I just want to be able to talk and out like, I just want to say like, Hey, what are my sales going to be? in two years and it's gonna, it's gonna just tell me, right? Just cause I don't really care about the details. Um, but from my perspective, I just wanna shoot you that in Slack, right? I want you, I, I'm, I'm thinking you're gonna come in and actually type it in and it's just a different delivery. I think it's the same idea. It's just a different way of asking and receiving the question back. I, I, I you know, we've done Alexa demos at all three of my, this company and two before on stage cause it's awesome. It's so cool. It talked back to my former CEO and people loved it. Nobody would ever use that. It just didn't make sense, but it was a really cool demo. So I'm just not sure.
2: Uh, uh, Cool demos. It's like the cherry on top. Maybe it'll help people go close a deal. So yeah, why not? But in practice, you're not going to go use it.
1: Uh, That happens a lot. Need to bring it back. Uh, and maybe to bring it back a little bit, it kind of goes to your comment, Ashley, about like the self-driving cars, right? Like maybe we're just like there's a missing element still with like uh, you know the common sense and the and the and the banter back and forth that we just haven't gotten to yet.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, Ashley, I told you thirty minutes fly by here, so this is this is great. Wow. I, yeah, that it's always. Fast. So we ha- we have this little quick uh, uh, lightning round. We'll go. Um, oh no. It's only it's yes or no, yes or no you you, you, you can you can uh, provide some uh, context about your 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 answer. so I'll go first. uh natural language will become the main way people query their data soon. No I guess after this last conversation, I you know what your answer is gonna be
1: <laughs> That's interesting I, I I love your honesty with that because I think a lot of people love to just gravitate and, and parrot the the sort of the sexy topics, right? And I appreciate your honesty around that.
2: Well, so before we go to the next one, so one thing is natural language saying we're talking, but what about the typing, the writing? Just- so,
0: so I think the typing is fine, but you have to assume, again, like people are going to stop what they're doing and go type that question. So great. And like every product out there has that now because it's a must-have. It's a, it's a good feature. But I think the day that I'm like, you know what? One, I'm, I'm smart enough as a product. To say, Juan really needs to know this. Things are going south. I better, and he spends most of his time, you know, on his phone. I better send him a text about this. Like that's what, because now you're not breaking your process and you're getting smarter using data. So it's not that I'm against it. I think you need to have it. But I think it's assuming people are going to go ask the question and they know the question to ask.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
2: Because you need to. Maybe that's
0: when Alexa becomes effective when Alexa tells me what to ask, right?
2: When she, when she's oh, so like, you mean that they're reading your mind like hey i know that you're about to ask this thing um, yeah, we're, not, we're not talking creepy here at all right Always the problem usually it, like, the usually factor. look at
1: shoes at this time of day would you like to it's like hold on what's going on here
2: all right tim your turn
1: all right uh man creepy ai is only going to get creepier Um, so AI modeling automation tools, uh, you know, that's become more of a thing. You you look at things like data robot and, you know, some of the sort of the, um, you know, the ML sort of tooling and stuff that's evolving, you know, does that continue to be its own space or does, you know, or will BI intelligence really absorb that over time?
0: I think this isn't a yes or no, sorry, but I think it's, they do converge, but it, it, it just depends on, it depends on if the vendors believe in the platform approach that we talked about or believed in best in class because the data robots of the world are for the sci- data scientists and citizen, depending on who you talk to, data scientists. Mm-hmm. BI sometimes is for deep analysts or data engineers. Sometimes it's for end users. So to me, it depends. I do see them converging, um, but I also see a lot of use cases standalone for, for some time. I really do.
2: So will will BI sit on top of any data source, tabular, graph, unstructured in the future?
0: In the future, many, many years down the road, maybe. I, I, but I think there's going to have to be some sort of layer in there. There's just going to have to, it changes too rapidly. And to keep up with that, the the actual, I'm putting like my developer and, and product hat on now. To actually keep up with that changing landscape and ecosystem, there's going to have to be, there's going to be some sort of layer in there.
1: All right. all right last question for you bi will continue to democratize even further bi for literally everyone true or false
0: true and we're not going to call it bi by then guys like we talked about this earlier that we, that we called something else but true
1: it'll just be the answer
0: <laughs> it'll be the answer it'll be like i'm making i'm helping make you smarter you're welcome that's what that's what the tool will say
2: <laughs> All right well uh, we, it's our ttt tim take us away with some takeaways.
1: Oh my goodness. We had a lot of good information today. I think that um my big takeaway is the fact that you know you, that you don't have to be obsessed about AI to really appreciate BI. Um that uh that there's a lot of value it's providing. It's going to continue to democratize that um, you know things like natural language and others can play a big role there, but it doesn't necessarily need to, you know, cook your breakfast and drive your car in order to make your life a little easier. So that's I think that's one of my big takeaways here.
2: Hmm. What I about you, Juan? I got many things here. One is last thing you said: the AI shouldn't break your process. I really like that. So it's like it it should adapt to how you are, and and, and I think that's what makes it smart, and that and that's what you would appreciate about it. Um, the other aspect was when we talk about use cases, it's interesting that customer 360 continues to come up. It's something that we've, been doing forever, but it's something that we could always do better and better. And I think that's something that we need to go, that's always should be driver. Like we should, we, we people say we need to be customer obsessed. Yeah, We truly do need to at the end of the day, right? That's who's trying what's paying and driving the business. Um, and the whole, yeah, we always talk, don't boil the ocean. We always talk about picking the use case. Yeah, we really need to go attach a number, a number about what's making money and saving money. Obviously harder, uh, easier said than done. Uh, but that example, you said, like we can eliminate three head counts and knowing that that's something that you're going to go use. People are going to go start working things using their brains, So you do smarter things. So I think that's, that's an aspect that can be a quote unquote easier way to apply that, uh, get that number in, uh, this is a fantastic conversation. Thank, thank you so much, Ashley. And I always like to throw it back to you for our, our advice, uh, little segment there. What's your advice general broad about data about life. And second is who should we invite next?
0: My general advice is um, always be networking. Like talking to you two today, I, I well, one, I learned we have to go have a drink and talk a little bit more about low code, but you learn something every time and not just specifically in data and analytics in your industry, like always be networking. I tell my team this, make time for it. Always be networking. Talk to everybody from entrepreneurs to people at big companies. It's, it's amazing. You learn from books, you learn from, podcasts, but like actually having those conversations is the most powerful thing I found in my career. And I I think clearly next, I I had a different answer coming into this, but like we, we need to get the leader of the Alexa team on here and we need to, we need to understand what we don't understand. We need to understand what the future is. And that's selfish for me because I want to listen in and I want to know if I need to be thinking about this a little bit more as part of my roadmap.
2: I <laughs> hear
1: that leader of Alexa where we've, we've got your uh, you're in our crosshairs. We've got questions for
2: you. Actually, I'm going to definitely take you up on the whole uh, no code discussion. I think there's so much there. I'm going to guess that you've probably invested in some no code companies. Maybe then
0: I don't want to, I can't, I can't, I mean, let's see my future first. And then we can, we can back up and
2: talk about that. Let's see. All right, Ashley, thank you so much. This was a fantastic conversation. And uh, just as a reminder for everybody, next week is our final episode of the season, episode 50. And it's going to be just Tim and me. We're going to be summarizing everything we discussed in this first part of 2021. And it was a pleasure to close this uh, first season with Ashley as our last guest of the season. Ashley, again, thank you so much. Thank you. And thanks, everybody, for listening in.